Welcome to episode 77 of Scientology, recording on Monday, August 17th, 2020. How the hell are you doing? I have missed you so much. And yeah, let's just address it right off the bat. It's Monday, you know? Try to get these things out on Sunday. Doesn't always work that way, but that was the goal. And sometimes when you don't achieve your goal, you got to reassess and just make a new goal. Don't just give up. You don't just throw your fucking toys down on the ground and walk away. You don't. That's part of being a big boy. You accept reality and you move forward. And that's what it is. Didn't pull it off yesterday, but I was able to do it today. So that's where we're at and that's where we're gonna go from today. All right. So on Saturday, this last Saturday, I went and met up with a buddy of mine, had some spontaneous drinks, didn't really think about it, sort of the spur of, spur of the moment deal. Um, I'll spare you all the qualifications of whether or not we were wearing masks and social distancing. You're just going to have to trust that me and my friend are responsible adults who uh, put the community's greater good in front of our own. So yeah, you can keep judging or not, but I'm going to stop qualifying everything I do with, and we were keeping six feet apart, and we were obviously wearing masks and shit like that, it's like, I, we, we, we do the right thing, okay, uh, but we got a couple of drinks, hung out, it was nice, it was, um, sat outside, this place in my neighborhood, got to talking about cocktails and drinks, he's a big uh, cocktail drinker, likes different types of drinks, Got onto the subject of how I don't really like certain alcohols. I don't. I don't like the taste of things. He likes mezcal, and I'm like, I, you can, you can keep all that shit. That's not for me. And he's like, not even a cocktail. I said, no, no, not even a co in a cocktail. That's like, um, it's like making a fine craft cocktail with all these nice little ingredients, and then right at the end of it, you're like, now wait, let me just put a dash of piss in there. Now see what you think about that. And then I'll sip it, and I'll be like, it's really good, except for the urine. If you hadn't put the pee in there, I feel like this would be exactly what I want. But, or maybe not pee, because that's just insulting to the concept of mezcal. I'll just say you throw a little bit of gasoline in there, because that's what it tastes like to me. It tastes like fucking gasoline. So, if you like gasoline-infused cocktails, have it all. It's just, that's uh, a flavor that does not agree with me for whatever reason. So, anyway... If that makes you mad that I don't like mezcal and you do, then you're maybe going to uh, get a little bit of justification or a little bit of satisfaction because I um, I hopped on my bike to go home after that, which was reckless. Didn't really think much of it. I don't know why I don't think that riding a bike is a dangerous thing when you're a little bit drunk. But uh, anyway, I wrecked my bike, went over the handlebars, I clipped the... Um, side mirror of a car when I was riding my bike down the street, went over the handlebars and uh, hurt my shoulder, my right shoulder, rocked it pretty good, and uh, got a small cut on my back, and didn't, I got off really lucky, I'll put it that way. I was wearing my helmet, and so I was okay on that end, but had I not been wearing my helmet, I would have my head pretty good. I Let's just face it, I could be fucking dead right now, is the truth of it. And I walked the bike home and kind of slept it off, and then the next day I was like, fuck man, I hope my, 
I got full motion, you know. Uh, it just, it, it hurts, it's sore, but it's not as bad as it was, and um, I can, you know, lift things, and, but I know that I, I know that I fucked up, so I'm going to be taking a month off of drinking, because I'm due, and I've done it before, and this is a good, like, punishment slash response to the idea of just being a jackass, and not thinking that my, um, what do you call it? behavior has consequences so that's what i'm going to be doing from this last saturday for a whole month i'm just drying out and you know i've done that before and it's not so bad you get a lot of work done it's very boring like that's the weird thing about not drinking if you've never really taken time off from not drinking it's just amazing the amount of free time it opens up which is good because i need that free time to work on projects and uh, get things done and try to figure out how to make what I'm doing kind of a more sustainable um, way of living. Not drinking and riding my bike, but, you know, painting pictures and selling things, streaming and podcasting and getting my website. I got a whole list of shit I need to take care of. But, yeah, not not being drunk is going to help that. And not um, waking up late, feeling like garbage. But, yeah. Yeah, so... Again, it could have been worse, but, I mean, the day after, I was still able to do partial exercises. I just did bodyweight squats and crunches, because, I, I, as you know, I cannot miss a day of exercising. Otherwise, I have to shave my beard off or shave it into some ridiculous configuration that makes me embarrassed. Um, so I'm not going to let that happen. I still haven't missed a day. So, yeah, don't you worry about that. I'm going to find a thing to do, get my blood moving. And I figure if I can do, you know, many hundreds of crunches, then my shoulder's probably okay if I can suffer through that. And it's, it, it, yeah. Again, if it were if it were not getting any better, I would go to the doctor. I now have Medicaid, which is nice. Perfect timing. Be an asshole. Be a dumbass. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to be sober for a month. And it's going to be in, well, let's check that. I'm going to not drink for a month. I don't want to go ahead and make, you know, write any checks that my ass can't cash. So I will not be drinking for a month. And let's just leave it at that. Uh, just, uh, to not incriminate myself any further. I am trying very hard on this podcast episode to not talk about politics. I have been doing that too much. Uh, I, listened to the last episode and the one before that during this last week and it just annoys me that I get so off in the weeds about politics but it's really really hard to not talk about that shit because it's fucking everywhere like all this stuff is happening right now but um yeah and I even had that issue when I, I I've, I've did I've done I've did it I had done did that's the way I had done did two podcasts with other people since the last time that I spoke with you guys, I did a podcast with my two friends, uh, Ben Mowbray and Diane Gallagher. Uh, they have a podcast called Rock the Cash Bar, which I may have mentioned before. It's a fun podcast that's all about like, well, they take it's a mu it's it talk they talk about music and the on their podcast they'll take one song and kind of dissect it and talk about the uh, structure of the song and like how it relates to them and. Sort of just go off on a bit of a um, 
deep dive into their personal relationship with that song and what it makes them think of, and it's a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm a big fan of their podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should, and you'll be able to hear my episode on, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to cross-post it to this podcast after they have debuted it, but it should be coming out in the next week or two, I think. But it's an interesting thing, if you know me and my relationship with music, to have me on a music-based podcast, because I have kind of a complicated complicated relationship with music in the sense that I am not driven by my love of music. Although people will like to say that I hate music. That's a really fun thing for people to accuse me of. But just because I don't have very strong opinions about music. And a lot of it comes from me being defensive and not wanting to give strangers too much information about who I am. Ever since I was a little kid, I've never liked the question of... Like, what kind of music do you listen to? I just find that's a way for people to try to put you in a box, and I don't like the idea of being put in a box. And also, I don't really know how to answer that question, because it depends on what mood I'm in, or what I'm doing, and I also feel like I'm a little crazy when it comes to certain things. Like, I'll listen to one song over and over and over again, just for one moment in the song, and then hang that up and never listen to it again. I don't know. I I treat I don't know exactly the words to describe how I treat music. It's somewhere in the family of disposable, but not exactly. I guess I'm just I don't know. We kind of go into depth about it on their podcast, and I'll I'll let I'll let that speak for itself cuz I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but Yeah, it's not that I hate music, and I've always taken offense to that, because it's like, I don't hate, um, I try to be very specific and aware and limit the amount of things that I can honestly say I hate. I don't think that that's a, I don't think that's a good thing to throw around, you know? And I know that when people say that I hate music, they're kind of like just giving me shit, or whatever, because it's an easy thing to make fun of, because it's kind of an unusual way to uh, be, I suppose, because so many people have so many strong opinions about music, and I just don't. I got the same thing with sports. I just don't pay attention to them. Doesn't mean I hate them. You know, it's just, what is it, ambivalent? Would that be a good word for that? I shouldn't use words that I'm not 100% sure of what they mean, but that sounds right. Um... I just kind of take it or leave it, I guess. There are a few... Like, I know some music that I don't like. Uh, I don't I don't like um, the voice of the woman Natalie Merchant from 10,000 Maniacs for some reason. That woman's voice just gets stuck in my head like, an, like a splinter. Um, I got no personal grief with her or, or grievance or whatever. It's just... I find it annoying. Um... I don't like jam band stuff. I don't like the Grateful Dead or Fish. I feel like... I don't know what it is that... It conjures up some image in my mind of like... That's what I feel like the Smurfs listen to in the summertime or something. You know, it's like... Or or songs... It's like what the Who's from Whoville would listen to in like off-holiday times when they're not trying to teach the Grinch how to appreciate Christmas. It just seems cartoony and dumb, and, and it's, I don't, I don't see the fun in it, I mean, maybe if I had hooked up with some hippie girl, 
who, you know, really blew my mind about stuff and I was high when I met her, I would have some kind of a emotional connection to that kind of it just I don't know. It it there's something about it that seems really silly to me. Jesus fucking Christ. I can't be moving around all fast like that. I'm not a big fan of um Zydeco music. If you're familiar with Zydeco music, that's like Louisiana swamp noise. That's just a uh, uh, real strange, unappealing sounds to me. Um, I don't care for Tejano music. That's but again, these I, these are things I don't run into very much. They're just, you know, I'm only trying to specifically say the things that I'm not a fan of, and it's not even that I hate this shit. It's just not for me. You know, I can deal with it. I won't be sitting in a bar. Like, this is the one thing that I've always... I have always been trying to be very specifically that I'm not this person. Is if some song comes on at the bar, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I hate this song. I don't want to be that person, because that person is specifically something I can say I do hate. I hate that shit. I hate when somebody has to make their problem everybody's problem. That's some shit that I can say is a characteristic that I hate. And I don't want to be that thing. Because just because you got some issue of, like, being personally annoyed by something that's affecting everyone, you know? Like, in a very superficial way. Like, just music that's on in the background. That nobody else is upset about except for you. And you gotta make everybody aware about how much that upsets you? Fuck that. And you're the problem. I don't even care if we're listening to, like, Puff the Magic Dragon on repeat and it's become very strange that it's happening. Like, if nobody else is saying anything about it and you're the one who has to throw a fit, just shut up. Same with people who don't like sports to the degree that they want to fuck up other people's good times, you know? I've hung out with people who don't like sports so much so that we'll be at a bar somewhere and there'll be a football game on, right? And people are really excited about the football game and the person that I'm with who dislikes sports will start making some weird scene about it, being like, yay, sports! You know, to kind of mock them having a good time. And it's like, why don't you just shut up, dude? Just let them have their fun. They're not coming over here being like, yay, improv, comedy, dumb shit you're talking about that's not interesting to me either. It's like, let them have their thing. It's not, it's not bothering anybody. It's like, maybe they're rowdy at the bar, but what it really comes off at is is that you're jealous that you can't enjoy things on the level that they're enjoying them. I mean, I definitely have that feeling as it relates to um, sports and even music in a big way. I think that a lot of a lot of what I've always felt about that is like, I mean, jealousy would be the right way to look at it. It's like, I don't know how to just let go and enjoy things that much without second-guessing myself or my emotions or anything like that. And that's that's my problem. That's not other people's problems, you know? So I guess that's, that's the one thing that I, I truly get bothered by when people accuse me of either hating sports or hating music. It's like, I don't. And, and the, the reason that I always like to draw that line is because I don't want to be that person who tries to take other people's fun away just because I can't seem to have that level of fun, you know? I know that I run, I've run i run into that a number of times when, whenever it's some kind of a situation where people are dancing, and I, I, don't, I don't really dance, you know? I just don't, I don't understand it. 
it's it's not again it kind of falls into that category of like i don't know how to let go that much and just like be in a moment and a and not not be over analyzing every single thing that i think and do and you know and so when i'm in that type of situation it's particularly with dancing or something i'm like i'm just going to sit this out because i don't want to make it a thing where my my awkwardness is going to take away the fun of this activity, you know? So I don't want to I don't want to have people try to like teach me how to dance necessarily. Although I have thought about doing that over the years. I thought that it would be it would be worth it to learn just to go take a couple of dance classes or to learn about sports or to even have some kind of like a crash course in like music appreciation just so I wouldn't be that turd in the punch bowl kind of fucking up everybody's good time cuz the way that it ends up registering when I vocalize my stances on these things is that I'm just trying to make the whole situation about me, you know, like that, like the thing that I'm afraid of being that thing where people are, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I, I can't stand it when I hear some fork and knife scrape on a plate when people are eating and it ruins my entire meal. It's like, that's, I don't want to be that. Because that's like an attention grab. You know, I can understand that if, if you don't like that sound, like nails on a chalkboard, or something like that, that it would gross you out. But to like make everybody try to shift reality to accommodate your thing is just rude to me. So I don't want to be rude and make the conversation about me when everybody's just trying to watch a football game or they're trying to listen to a band or they're trying to dance, something like that, you know. So I would like to be able to, I would like to have enough information or enough knowledge, just a working knowledge to where I don't stand out as being the odd person in those scenes, you know, like I always thought it would be cool to be able to take a dance class that's just like whatever they teach people dancing in the background of a movie scene, like whatever, whatever, if there's like three or four steps that you can be like, just do this. And then if the person next to you is doing the same thing you're doing, do this. And that's just, I would like to be able to take a dance class that's just enough to where it's like, you glance across the dance floor and you don't notice me because I'm dancing just like everybody else and you're not singling me out as being like, look at that fucking freak. That guy doesn't know what he's doing, you know? Which is all, I think, I think that's more about just like, maybe that's attached to a confidence where you're just like, nobody cares what I'm doing. You get a little bit of that living in New York City, I think. Like walking around on the street in New York City, feeling invisible. I remember when I first came to New York, just to visit, not to live, I was taking a uh, an, an improv class at UCB with a friend of mine. Um, me and my friend, we were walking around in Times Square, and we were just noticing that that feeling of being invisible in a crowd and what that felt like. To be like, man, there's almost no level of weird that you can be here where somebody will stop you and be like, dude, what are you doing? That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen anybody do. At most, you might get somebody coming up to you being like, I like your style. I like what you're doing. So I remember we like, I think we walked around the block with like our, uh, what? I think one of us took our shirt, one of us took our shirt off and the other person like had his pants around his knees 
And we just kind of like walked around being like, look, nobody gives a shit what we're doing. We could be as weird as we want to be. And, and nobody ever stops to be like, hey, look how strange you are. So I guess, yeah, and, and as you feel that, you kind of start to take more liberties with your confidence in public. You know, once you understand that everybody else is in their own world. And they don't necessarily care what you're doing. I think that was the headspace I had to be in the first time I ever got really high and took the subway. And I don't make a habit out of that at all, but I thought it would be a, a fun adventure to like get really high and then ride this ride the subway in like a crowded time. Because it was kind of like a cool weather day, so I had my hooded sweatshirt on, and you put your hoodie up, you put your hood up over your head. And you have your headphones in and get real high. And then it's actually kind of like a perfect situation to be in because you're just invisible in the crowd. Nobody's noticing you unless you're doing something like aggressive towards somebody else. You're just another body out there, you know? And there's there's a real nice comfort in that total anonymity. And I guess that's maybe the kind of headspace you got to be in to dance, in my mind, is just to understand that nobody's really looking at you, or they're just wrapped up in their own thing. I'm, I'm guessing this is why drugs help people dance, you know, because it just, like, takes those inhibitions away and allows you to kind of just, like, stop worrying about how you look from the outside, because there's a very good chance nobody's looking at you. I mean, I guess unless you're, like, the fucking hottest person on the dance floor or something like that. I don't really know, but that's another one. I haven't... I wouldn't want to take that class. What other podcast did I did? Oh, I also recorded an episode of um, After Later podcast with my friend John Wessling, another great comedian. Um, and we just got kind of weird on that one. Now we just talked about, like, life and simulation theory and uh he was asking me about you know my uh my painting and live streaming and what i've been doing since this covid lockdown it's really interesting how many people have um taken an interest in the things that i've uh been putting out it feels nice but it feels weird to say that it feels nice i don't know why i think that's just sort of my self uh loathing or self-consciousness or whatever that might be but yeah that was a good one and i'm also i'll cross post that one on my way on my uh, podcast too so you guys can check that out but if you do want to hear it before then you can listen to after later with john wesling and that's available on um yeah i think uh, apple podcast spotify all that stuff so you can check that out as well and uh yeah but what else has been going on, guys? What else has been going on? Have you been falling off your bike drunk? Have you been making a fool of yourself? Have you been falling short of any of your goals and then reassessing them and trying to make your new goals just a little bit easier to reach but not so easy that it doesn't feel like a challenge? Because that's not, you know, that that's kind of what you want to be doing. You always want to be trying to um, set these goals that are challenging but not impossible. I had a long list of things to do, and I took care of quite a, quite a few of them. I mailed out all my paintings. I crated up all my paintings that I had, all except for the octopus. 
and um, mailed those out to the people who bought them. So if you listen to this podcast and you bought one of my paintings, it is on its way to you unless you bought the octopus. Uh, The octopus is getting framed and then will be shipped out. But yeah, that's exciting. Very exciting. Um, Yeah. I, uh, I got, I got two paintings that I'm working on right now. I've got a pelican that I'm working on and an oyster, both of which should be done relatively soon if I really lean into it. And then I got two on deck and I'm hoping to get through all of those quick because I've got a big one that I want to do. Also, and this is big news, I uh, have prints that are being made very soon of the octopus, of my painting, Undeniable. It's a, um, it's going to be really exciting and scary to do but it's going to be a um it's going to be a moment for me because i have never run prints of anything that i've ever painted and made the investment to turn around and sell them it's going to be a pretty uh pretty expensive endeavor on my part but i've got enough people that have said they would like to buy the a print of the octopus painting that i've i feel confident in doing a limited run of these prints and it'll be kind of a collector's edition type situation because, again, it's the first print of any painting I've ever done. The painting itself is, um, is uh, like the actual painting is three foot by four foot, and the prints themselves are going to be closer to two foot by three foot. So it's still going to be a very substantial, you know, size. That's what she said. But they, the point is, is I'm going to do about um, 20 to 25 of them, and I think that's it. And each one of the prints is going to cost me to make. Each print costs about $100 to make. So the prints themselves are going to be sold for about $300. And there's only going to be at max 25 of them. So I'm kind of taking reservations for the prints now. But not taking money. It's just if people want one, I'm putting your name down. And I'll... uh, once I figure out some uniform way of uh, taking the orders, I'll take them. But I'm still waiting on proofs from the printer, seeing the quality of everything and making sure that it is up to the caliber. But they'll be signed and numbered and, um, yeah, available. Hopefully in the next few weeks, which is really exciting. And if I can sell those and I sell out, then I may do a run of the uh, Owl painting Archimedes and then maybe one of my octo uh, my um, jellyfish but if I can do that if that's the way this is going then that's a very exciting development in what it is that I'm doing because that means this is something that can work and actually be a, a, a means of keeping me afloat and I I don't I don't know if I even need to tell any of you guys listening how important that is and how special that is to be able to say that you could pay your bills and make your living doing your artwork. But um, if you're one of the people that subscribes to my Patreon or supports the work that I do, I hope that you understand that you're, uh, you're a part of something really, really special. And uh, it means a lot to me. And I really look forward to doing more interesting and fun things to give you a return on your investment in me. It really means a lot to me. So... Um, Thank you in advance, and if you would like to have a print of the octopus painting, please do let me know, and I will uh, go ahead and reserve you one. I mean, I think in order for me to properly reserve it, I'll need, like, a deposit, but I'm not even really messing with that right now. It's just 
just making sure that people are are into it. But they'll be signed and numbered and of a limited release. So that's very exciting. Uh, what else is going on, guys? What else is going on? Oh, I've seen a lot of people leaving Facebook lately and leaving um, social media. And look, I get it. I understand. It's saturated with complete mayhem and arguments and bullshit, and I get it. But if you're going to leave Facebook and, you're, and, and Twitter and Instagram and whatever it is, either don't say anything about it or make it a huge deal. Because this weird like sign-off of this quiet suicide letter that you kind of float out into the ether of being like, well, tomorrow I've decided to get off of social media, and I know that this is coming as a big disappointment to a lot of people, and I'm sorry to leave you. It's like, what do you expect? What do you want from me? Do you want me to like beg you to stay? I don't know. This is just leaving a very awkward moment. Because you're not dying. You're just getting off of this garbage. And then I got to text you if I want to talk to you. I don't have to like, I don't know when your birthday is. I don't know when to like say what's up. Or I can't give you a thumbs up on a picture of your fucking avocado toast or something like that. It's not supposed to be a big deal. So if it's a really big deal to you, if it's a really big deal, then bounce, you know. But I don't know what the reaction is supposed to be when people give this grandiose announcement that they're leaving social media and it's I, I just again I it's not even that I'm mad I'm just really confused as to how I'm supposed to react to that like what is that supposed to be as the receiver of that thing you know like I don't want to like thumbs up it I don't want to like I don't want to give it like a great good to see you go type of feeling. But at the same time, I don't I don't want to sit here and make an argument in favor of this garbage. I get it. It's annoying as shit. If I wasn't trying to like make a living, you know, doing stand up or making art or uh, you know, selling cutting boards around Christmas time and furniture and stuff, I don't think I'd be on there. I mean, except for trying to get laid or whatever, but that even then, like that's it's all crazy. It's all crazy. You don't have to make you don't have to make excuses for that thing. I guess is what I'm saying. And you also don't have to make excuses for your behavior as it relates to that shit. It's like if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. Just kind of fade away. But I, I think that there's something very strange about the way people announce that they're leaving social media, and then it doesn't mean anything. Like there's. I don't know. I don't know what's upsetting me about this. It's just that I've seen it a lot, I guess. And when it comes down to it, it's like, man, we're all in that weird place. But it feels like, you know, it's an easy way to stay in touch. I mean, it comes it comes with a lot of problems. It comes with a lot of very uncomfortable grossness and like, Seeing into people's lives a little bit more than you would like to, you know, like understanding a little bit more about their political leanings or seeing how impulsive they are with their reactions to shit and like just watching, looking at how argumentative and frustrating and, uh, um, you know, closed minded people are. But at the same time, it's almost like, 
I feel like the thing is, is that we're we're almost at a place where we can read each other's minds. Because when you see people's online personality, that's kind of like who they are without having to see the um, reactions on other people's faces when they say things, you know? Like, if you were to say some stuff about, like, whatever kind of social issues or, um, you know, here here is politics trying to suck me back into it. But let's say you made some kind of statement. Just some broad brush statement about, I don't know, uh, fat shaming or something, right? And you either are pro or against, you know, the concept. Now, if you said that, and you say that in front of somebody who, like, struggles with their weight, and you watch them kind of, like, have that micro-movement on their face that makes them feel like you're attacking them, or, you know, it, it struck them in some, like, uncomfortable way, you might correct your... You might correct your speech and your thinking on the spot, which is... It's not wrong to do that. That's how we work out our understanding of things, you know? Like, this is something that I've had a really big issue with as it relates to just the... And I'm again, I'm going to skate this issue. I'm going to skate right around the issue of political alignment here and just say that the disagreements that we have had as a culture, as of late, I think are very much attached to this type of thing that I'm talking about. Because we don't have that same kind of one-on-one interaction, especially now with this global pandemic and we got to be like away from each other so much that we are depending on social media and online communication even more. So that's like the waters are going to be a little more muddied. You know, we're we are evolved over millennia to interact face-to-face like there was a great thing that i read a while back about like the whites of our eyes are more important than the pupils of our eyes as it as it correlates to communicating with each other because we notice we notice where where people are looking and what they're looking at more so than we understand and that's kind of the way that humans developed because it's a communication thing So if I see what you're looking at, what you're looking at is what's important to you, and that helps me understand more about you and your intentions and your motivations and the things that you don't want to tell me with your voice, right? So when you see things like that, having always been a part of the human experience, and then we just suddenly try to act like that doesn't work, you know, like that's not important, you're throwing this whole machine out of of whack, like... Our, our way of communicating is just, it's, it's not developed to deal without that type of thing, you know, in mass, as it, as it relates to lots of people. So the idea of, like, just to bring it back to that example that I had about, like, the fat shaming thing. Like, say you say something that's insensitive about fat shaming, and you're just like, well, you know, it is actually just as simple as not eating and moving more, you know? It's like lower your calorie intake, up your exercise intake, or up your exercise output or whatever, and you will lose weight. Mathematically, that makes sense. Now, you say that in very matter-of-fact terms, but somebody else might be like, have always struggled with that, and maybe they do have some kind of a thyroid situation, or they're one of the, they're, they're, they're the exception to the rule, right? Now, you might not have acknowledged the exception to the rule in your statement, just black and white, 
typing it out on a fucking Facebook post. But if you were in, if you're in a group of people and you're talking to them about that, and you see somebody, and you see that little micro movement on their face that makes them feel uncomfortable, then that's gonna click that thing in your head to be like, oh well, yeah, there are, you know, I mean, notwithstanding, like, cases that are outside of this, you always have to take into account that one size doesn't fit all, as it were, with this kind of thing, right? And that, that one little thing, this thing that I'm trying to hone in on here with this point that I'm trying to make, is a person making that adjustment to their statement in conversation, you could look at that and say that that's that person trying to cover their ass, right? Like, they're just a piece of shit, and then they noticed they were hurting somebody's feelings, so they tried to cover their ass. And that's a cynical way of looking at it, in my opinion. Because the real, like, the giving and more understanding way to look at that is that that person had that information, they forgot about it, and then something in another human reminded them of it. So it made them on the spot more suddenly understanding and compassionate in the way that they spoke. It's not that they're... It's not that they would rather be a you know, this thing that they can't be allowed to be without, like, a group. It's that we we aren't who we could be without other people. Other people give us a rounded nature. Otherwise, we're all just in this weird echo chamber of either loving ourselves too much or hating ourselves too much or just questioning every single thing we do or not questioning anything that we do. And that just makes you kind of lopsided as a person. So, all of these things that I feel like we're rushing to judgment about with each other, as far as, like, what our statements or lack thereof mean about us, is really, I think, a little too shallow of a way to look at things. And we we have to try to be more generous with our understandings of each other, and also with how we're all dealing with this weird new form of communication, and also this new isolation. Because ignorance is not the same thing as malice, is my main point here. So often we try to, and this is a big issue that's going on in the world right now, is the, is the idea that just because someone said something that is ignorant means that they meant it in a mean way. Sometimes you say things that are ignorant and that's just you not knowing any better. And we need to all have enough wherewithal and enough patience and enough like human compassion for each other to like have that conversation rather than to just be like he's a witch. Fucking burn them, you know? It's like, string them up. We need, to, we need to just be running around with fucking pitchforks and torches door to door, knocking everybody's door down and dragging them out because they were imperfect. Because eventually, that mob is going to come around to you. Like it or not. You might have been riding with that mob for years and never feel like you've been on the wrong side of the mob. But eventually, that mob's going to come to your fucking door and bang it down and drag you out too. And that's why we don't do that. It's always been a bad idea. Even in the quintessential concept of the fucking pitchforks and torches, like Frankenstein, right? That was a mistake. Even in that example, it was a mistake. It's always been a bad idea. So we gotta stop 
having that kind of mentality or at least ratcheting it back just enough to where we can hear what everybody means and we also got to just bide our time to get back to a time or a, a, a situation where we can be around each other more and communicate physically in person because that's the that's the main thing and basically just put on some fucking fish and some grateful dead and bang a drum and fucking just peace out bro and mellow and chill and just bang on a drum for a fucking stint of three hours or whatever your dumb music is fuck jam band music that's a good place to end um all right this has been a lot of fun guys i'm sorry the podcast was late a day i will uh work harder and i'm gonna have time to do that because i'm not fucking drinking i'm recovering from a drunken injury like a drunken dumbass uh who just got lucky and there are plenty of us out there, but there's a lot of a lot of graves are filled with unlucky people. And I need to watch my fucking ass. So I got time to think about it without drinking. Not necessarily being sober, but not drinking. And uh, also that'll be good because I got to cut my exercises down to sort of bare bones for a little while too. So I don't need those calories. What am I even fucking talking about? Okay. This is episode 77 of Scientology. People are revving their engines outside. I'm trying not to talk about it, but I do. And uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope that this helped you pass a little time. If you want to support the podcast uh, without spending any money, just go to uh, wherever you get your podcast from and rate, review, and subscribe, or tell your friends about the podcast or pass it along. Uh, Give me feedback on what you like or didn't like or anything like that. That always helps. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have enough questions this time to really address that this week. Well, I actually, I did have a couple, but kind of ran out of time. But if you got any questions, comments, or uh, thoughts, send those to me however you want to. I'm not hard to find on social media or any other means. And um, yeah, if you want to support the podcast as a Patreon subscriber, one of my operating Scientologists... You can go to my website, paulodo.com, scroll down to about the middle of the page, and there will be a link takes you to Patreon. And if you become a Patreon subscriber, uh, there will be uh, merchandise coming out soon, and you're going to get that as part of your subscription. So that's fun, too. And maybe I'll even work out some discount on these prints for my Patreon subscribers. Um, maybe I'll, like... How about this? I'll just say it on the spot. If you're a Patreon subscriber and you want to buy one of my um, prints of my octopus, I will pay for your shipping. That's a lot. That's going to be maybe a promise that I don't like to have made. But there it is. So that's what it is. If you're a subscriber on my Patreon and you buy one of the octopus prints, uh, shipping is on me. But everybody else, you pay for shipping. Okay. Well, with that said and done, thank you guys for listening, and um, I hope that this helped pass whatever time you were trying to pass. And it's always great chatting with you guys. I hope you got a laugh. Hope you're having an alright day. Hope you don't go hop on your bike and think it doesn't matter that you had two or three beers and uh, hurt yourself worse than I did. But if you did, take some time off from drinking. It's a good way to do it. But I will be back with you guys soon. I'll be live streaming on Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Reddit. I'll be painting. 
and po or possibly drawing. I'm not sure, but it'll it'll be there too. So if you want to dip in and say hello, please do. Aside from that, guys, thank you for your time. And um, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and do not be afraid. This is Paul Odo for episode 77 of Scientology, Monday, August 17th, 2020. Take care.